Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have the honor of hosting a truly remarkable guest. Yes, I'm talking about Sonia. So welcome to the show Sonia. Hi, nice thanks for having me. Great, great. So Sonia like before we start our conversation, I'd love to mention this to all of our listeners that Sonia is not just your typical uh tech industry veteran. So she is a trailblazer and a two-time take startup founder and a living testament to the power of resilience and determination so with an uh, illustrious two decade career in the tech world she has not only conquered the challenges of a male dominated field but also has the triumphed over a personal battle with the breast cancer so her journey is one of tenacity and courage and the innovation i would say so her story goes beyond the boardroom it intervenes the complexities of the entrepreneurship mental fortitude and also breaking the barriers as a woman in the tech so today she graciously joins us to share her insights on the leadership overcoming the adversity and the driving change in an industry she is deeply passionate about so her commitment to the innovation health and the mentorship has left an ineligible mark on the tech industry so her ability to uh, revitalize the failed projects and guide them to global acclaim showcases her uh, visionary leadership and the unwavering belief in the potential for success even in the adversity So join us as we delve into Sonia's extraordinary journey filled with the valuable lessons on the entrepreneurship, mental resilience and overcoming the imposter syndrome in the tech world. So welcome to the show again Sonia. So Sonia like to start with a conversation like uh, if you can uh, brief or take us through uh, your journey in the tech industry of its spans over two decades so during which you have founded the two tech startups so if you can share a pivotal moment that shaped your entrepreneurial path and led you uh, where you are today yeah so i've been in the tech space for 17 years now prior to tech i was in the accounting manufacturing space and operations um at a young age i always knew i always loved entrepreneurship and i've always had like what you call side hustles like little businesses on the side while i worked full time that's just something i'm i've always been passionate about so i did have a 
a side hustle business for a couple of years that it was uh, sort of a hobby that I loved and I did. So that sort of got me in the entrepreneur, you know, my foot in the door to entrepreneurship, which is something I, I love. And so I made the decision that I wanted to work for uh, startups and companies that were, you know, in the startup phases. And I did not want to work for companies that were well established at the time. Mm. So I was lucky to get into a uh, tech company for accounting and operation purposes because that was my background. Mm. And so when I got into this tech company. I basically learned as much as I could. I didn't know that much about tech. I knew lots about accounting and operations, but I didn't know how the whole software development tech world worked. So I did a lot. I put a lot of my own time into learning asking questions, um, getting involved in things that I had nothing to do with, but I would just, you know, go into meetings and, and ask, can I join just to be a fly on the wall? I just want to sort of learn. And luckily for me, I was in an environment that really nurtured that. And so I was lucky that I had people around me that were willing to teach me, uh, were willing to have me be part, uh, uh, be, you know, be at the table. And it really gave me the opportunity to grow and learn, and you know, couple, couple, almost twenty years later, uh, I'm now uh, running a software development company. I have taken over uh, launching two tech startups, and now I'm helping entrepreneurs who want to get into the startup uh, field or are in it and want to pivot and don't know or are stuck and don't know where to go. So I'm helping entrepreneurs sort of guide them through the steps uh, of where me and other entrepreneurs have failed to help them succeed lovely that's that's really lovely yeah so uh also about uh we already discussed like the breast cancer is the formidable adversary so yeah. you can also take us through your experience of building and managing a business while going through such a significant health challenge yeah so I'll give you a little bit of a context. So one of the products that I launched is called Menusano. It's a nutrition analysis uh, software application for the food service industry. Okay. And I was I was part of the original founding team for Menusano. And um, being founders, we had a team of founders and entrepreneurship takes a lot of grip and effort. And um, the team that originally founded Menusano eventually left. And I was sort of left completely by myself, abandoned by the original team. And so I, I had the opportunity to take Menusano and, and, and say, what am I going to do with it now that the entire team is gone? I have an opportunity to either continue it the way on the path that it is or start from scratch. So I decided to start from scratch, rebuild the product, relaunch it in a, a very innovative way. While I'm in the process of doing that, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so my first worry was, of course, am I going to die and everything that I'm passionate about and love and want to do gone and out the window? Um, so, you know, my life was a little bit in limbo for a while. But one of the decisions that I made after my diagnosis was that I decided not to take time off and continue working. So I continued with my mission with Menusano, relaunching it and getting it off to market. And during the time that I was going through breast cancer, that's when the product really started doing well in the market. And it's also because it's a product that's health focused 
And it was something that I was really passionate about at the time because here I am going through breast cancer. Um, but I guess the point I'm trying to make with uh, using Minusano in my breast cancer journey is when I got diagnosed and made the decision to continue working, it was the best thing for me. Menusano gave me something to look forward to, to wake up every day. I think that if I had got diagnosed and went through the entire journey of dealing with breast cancer and not had a purpose, I would have gotten really depressed. And so um, I got diagnosed with stage one, which took me a while to find out. I had uh, four surgeries altogether and I went through hormone therapy. So I felt like breast cancer was a bit of a a part-time job Mm -hmm. and then I had a full-time job but I found a lot of uh, joy in continuing to to work on on Menusano while you know going through this really difficult journey but it gave me a sense of accomplishment and and purpose. Okay great so uh, I mean balancing the demands of the entrepreneurship with the uh, mental health is crucial so What are the strategies or the practices have you found effective in maintaining your uh, mental well-being uh, while also leading and growing your businesses? Yeah, one of the hard lessons for me that I encountered right away was that I had the mentality that if I wanted something done, I had to do it myself. And when you're going through something like breast cancer, you can't really do that. Um, So I had to learn very, very quickly to uh, delegate and trust my team. I had I had a team and I had a very good team, but I was a bit of a control freak where I wanted control over what I was doing, when I was doing it. And so learning to uh, trust my team and delegate uh, really taught me a valuable lesson, not just because I was going through, through cancer, but because, you know, I had a team that was willing and wanted to take on extra work, but they weren't because I wasn't giving it to them. So once I went through that process of, of doing it, it became a habit. And, and, you know, six years later, I'm still delegating. I'm still trusting my team. I work very close with them. But that was a really, really valuable lesson that was a takeaway from that. And that's something that I implemented right away because I really had no choice. Sometimes the best lessons in life are the ones that you have no choice and you sort of get pushed into. True. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, okay, now, uh, I mean, imposter syndrome is the common challenge, especially for the woman in the tech. So how have you dealt with this syndrome throughout your career? And what advice do you have for others who are facing similar feelings of the self-doubt? Imposter syndrome, that's actually a funny thing. You know, I never really felt I never really had imposter syndrome until it became like a buzzword mm-hmm. and it it was all over social media and everybody was talking about imposter syndrome and I'm like, oh, wait, do I have imposter syndrome? And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, I do have imposter syndrome. But in reality, when I really like sit down and think about it, I don't think I ever really, really had like imposter syndrome. I mm-hmm. think what I had was self-doubt in my capabilities because I was in such a male dominated space. I don't think it was imposter syndrome because at the end of the day, I always knew what I was capable of and I knew what I wanted and I knew what I needed to do to get there. Um, I was just, I had fear of taking the steps to, to do, to do that. But once I did, I felt comfortable in my own skin. 
yes, you go through self-doubt and um, you question some of your abilities. But I don't think I ever, I think maybe um, imposter syndrome can get confused with fear a little bit. But I don't think I had imposter syndrome because I wasn't an imposter. I knew what I was doing. Okay. Okay. So as a best cancer, a cancer uh, survivor, you have demonstrated the incredible resilience. So mm. how has this experience shaped your leadership style and your approach to overcoming the challenges in the professional realm? I, I, I believe that everything, there is a solution to everything. It's, okay. it's how you execute and how you deal with it. I think prior to, to breast cancer, I was very reactive in my decision-making skills. I reacted to things. I waited until something was going really wrong, and I was reactive. And when you're reactive, that's not the best way to solve problems. After going through breast cancer, well, while going through breast cancer, I had to learn how to be very patient with myself. You know, I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to get back to my normal self quickly and now, but it is not something that was within my control. So that process taught me a lot of patience, and it also taught me to be proactive instead of a reactive. And so I've sort of applied that now into my everyday life. And, you know, sometimes one of my team members will come to me and they're freaking out, and I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. And I'm very calm. I'm like, Let's figure it out. And they're like, who are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you know, a couple of years ago, you would have been freaking out. I'm like, I know we just freaking out only causes us stress. So I'm taking more of an approach of staying calm in a situation, really thinking it through and then coming up with possible solutions for it. So I think that was something that I got out of it. That was really positive. And it's changed my management style because of it. Oh, so, um, okay, your expertise extends to revitalizing the projects that initially failed. So what insights can you share about recognizing the potential in seamlessly unsuccessful ventures and implementing the effective turnaround strategies? Yeah, one of the common uh, problems I find is founders get very excited about their ideas and they want to start building it right away. And they don't do the work prior to start building uh, because they're so anxious and excited. And then they start building and then it all goes wrong somehow in a lot of different areas. It could be the development uh, team that they decided to, to choose, whether it was an offshore, onshore, consultant or a company, they didn't do enough uh, research into how to start that process. They didn't do the pre-work, which is, um, you know, some basic market analysis. Okay, it, does, this is, this, does this idea already exist? Yes or no? If it does, who are my competitors? What are they doing? What's their pricing structure? What's their feature list? And what can I bring to the table that's unique and different to those competitors? Just because you have an idea and it already exists, doesn't mean that you shouldn't build it, but you should do your due diligence and your research to make sure that you're building something that's going to be unique. You don't want to build a copycat, right? The exact same thing. And then the other thing I find is documentation. Founders are not documenting enough. So, for example, uh, you know, putting together a basic business plan uh, with your 
basic idea of what is this product, what's it going to do, what's the problem it's solving, well, how are you going to monetize it, um, if it fails six months down the road, how can you pivot, uh, what industries are you in, are you going to be starting off on, uh, at, and where can you pivot to other industries? Do you know how to speak those industries' language? So, for example, you know, I might be a tech person, but I want to work in the automotive industry. But because I want to solve a problem in the automotive industry, but do I speak that language? Meaning, do I know anybody in automotive? Do I know the everyday lingual that this industry talks? Do I understand them? And if I don't, um, are I should be going out and networking and going to events that involves the industries that I want to be in. So I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done prior to starting your de the development of your product and even launching it, right? And then once you do go through that process and then you start developing, I think a critical, critical key there is selecting the right team to develop it for you. Too often, I think about 90% of the time when I'm working with the founder that has already started something, they hired a company offshore, um, they paid the money to get something developed, and then they came back saying, can you use the source codes to build what I really need? Because they didn't build what I wanted. Or they spent all this money and it's completely, it's garbage. They have to start from scratch because a lot of people don't understand. Offshoring is great. It's a great option. <clears throat> I think people should do it, but there is a discipline that needs to go between the, the, the person with the idea and the development team. And there's some management that needs to happen. And founders think that they can just say, hey, I want to build this. I wanted to do this, this, and that. And then they give it to this offshore team and they go off and, and build it and give you exactly what you want. That's not how it happens. So I always try to educate founders on how to go about that process and what are the best steps uh, to, to do in order to achieve success within that. Then the next step is now you have what we call uh, an MVP, a minimal viable product that's been built onshore, offshore, wherever it may be. And now you want to launch it, right? A lot of times founders, when they go into that development process, they want to build an MVP. But this MVP, instead of being a minimal viable product, while they're building it, like, oh, well, I also want this. And can you build that? And you can build that. And then a minimal viable product goes from being six months to a year and they never launch. So I always uh, encourage founders to, if you're, if you're going to build an MVP and you have a timeline of six months, stick to that six months, build an MVP, get it out to market. Even if you don't have all the features and everything that you need, that's fine. But what you want to do is you want to get it out to market so that you can start validating the product. Who is showing interest in it? What are you know, if, if, if you are getting sales already, what are the features that they really like? Start having um, sales calls with potential clients and really figure out what, why they went to your tool, why they're looking for it. And then even start building up your, your roadmap to your final product based on these conversations that you're having. They're so valuable. And I find that not enough people are doing that. They're rushing to market with a full product and then when they get to market with a full product, it's not necessarily everything the, the, that, is there, that is needed in the market. And now they've spent all this time and money building something that's not necessarily, you know, quite there. So I say spend less time building, get to market faster so that you can start getting that feedback and validation. Understood. Understood. 
Great. So, uh, looking back at your career, what is one piece of advice you wish to have uh, had received when you started your entrepreneurial journey? And uh, also with this, like, what advice would you give to the aspiring woman in the tech industry? Yeah, if I could go back, I would tell myself to be more assertive yeah. and not be afraid, um, especially in a male-dominated industry. I think women are we're we're always a little bit. You know, if you're too assertive, you're categorized as, you know, not being very nice. Uh So I would say don't be don't be afraid to, you know, speak your mind and get out there. Uh, Advice for for women wanting to get into tech. um, You know, there's so much bias out there around, uh, you know, companies that need to hire women because they're trying to meet a quota, et cetera, et cetera. I say don't listen to any of that. If you want to work for a tech company, Put yourself out there, and then if you have the opportunity to get your foot in the door, don't waste time. Uh, learn as much as you can. Uh, get engaged. Uh, practice. Get involved. Uh, just learn, 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 and and speak up. You know, if you see an area of the business that you think needs improvement, uh, and you know what the improvement is, suggest it to to the leaders, and 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 you know, start start building a a reputation for yourself within the organization. And I also say to to people, you know, don't go into a company and then stay there for a short period of time and then jump to another company and then jump to another company. I know that's sort of like what people do a lot now. I actually say the reverse. I say if you're going to go into a company and you want to really grow and learn uh, or, or grow, stay within a company for at least a year or two and learn as much as you can before you move on. If you're just jumping, you're learning all of these different um, things that may not be valuable to you. If you stay somewhere a little bit longer, you're building something solid. You're learning something solid that's going to help you eventually down the road in a more uh, solid position. So that's the only that's the advice I would give. Wow, lovely. Great. So um, thank you so much for joining on this inspiring episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And a special thank you uh, to you, Sonia, for sharing your extraordinary journey of breaking the barriers, uh, building the business and also navigating the intricate intersection of entrepreneurship, mental health and overcoming the breast cancer. So thank you. uh, yeah so also like the listeners like if you have found this episode impactful please consider subscribing sharing and leaving a review your support definitely helps us to continue to bring you more empowering stories and the contents and the conversations that contribute to a healthier mind and a more fulfilling life so remember no challenges uh, uh like insurmountable and every obstacle uh presents an opportunity for the growth So as uh, we close this episode, we encourage all of you to carry the lessons shared by Sonia in your own journey and breaking down the barriers and embracing challenges that come your way. So stay tuned for more insightful conversation on healthy mind and healthy life. And until next time, take care of your mind, nurture your well-being and keep breaking those barriers with resilience and the grace. So thank you so much.